Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church Podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. Very good. Hey, we are um, in a vision month where we're kind of looking forward as a church and really trying to discern what God has for us. Last week, I talked about our kind of vision statement, which is we follow the way of Jesus into the restoration of our neighborhoods. That's on the podcast if you want to catch up on that. But at the beginning of December last year, we had a lead team retreat. Our kind of leadership team went away and we got butcher's paper up and spent a few days praying and listening and discerning and brainstorming the next season of our church. And out of that came three strategic themes that we really believe God's calling us into. And we're going to look at those over the next three weeks. They are growing up as a church, moving from a church plant to a church. Um, The second one is moving outward, continue to move out into our community, continue to um, push outward and bring the restoration that we so desire in our neighbors and neighborhoods. And the third one is becoming a people of the Holy Spirit. But this morning, I want to talk about this idea of growing up. And in one of those sessions at our lead team retreat, I think it was Alyssa that wrote on one of the butcher's paper um, little sections. She said, what happens if Benj leaves? Which is kind of a a little bit of a morbid question, you know, we don't like to think about that. Uh, What happens if Benj gets hit by a bus or goes somewhere else? Um, I'm not going anywhere, just by the way. But it's a, a really good question, is what happens if I'm not here? What's left? What continues to go on? And it was really uh, an important moment for us because we we began to realize that there's actually some growing up the church needs to do. The church is almost three years old. In a couple of weeks, we're going to celebrate our third birthday. Um, But it's an important season for us to move from being just a church plant, a startup, into being an established, healthy, vibrant, long-term church right here in longevity. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 3. If you want to grab your Bibles on your phone, or there's a Bible in front of you if you want. If you don't have a Bible, you can take the one in front of you. That's fine. We can, um, we can replace it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. This is Paul, who is a kind of serial church planter. He goes around to different cities in kind of the known world, the Greco-Roman world, and he plants and starts these new little communities of faith. And he's writing to this church plant in a city called Corinth. He says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger, and you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I am a follower of Paul, another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like the people of the world? After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believed the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts. Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting. 
or who does, who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field, you are God's building. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, which is Jesus Christ. So this little letter, little section in a letter written to a little church that's kind of growing up. And it says there in the first couple of four verses, talks about, you know, growing up in the spiritual life. You start with the milk and you move to solids. We've got a nine-month-old and he's kind of going through the journey of like, you know, start on milk, then like a little bit of solids and then mostly solids and a little bit of milk and he gets everywhere. Um, but the end goal isn't just that he can feed himself, but the end goal is that he can make his own f- food. And so that like someone doesn't have to feed him. And then even beyond that is like as a human being managing his own diet and working out like what is a healthy life and a healthy intake for him look. And it's kind of like this, this spiritual journey that we all have to go on. We all have to grow up, continue to grow up in our faith in Jesus, become less reliant on other people as much as we need brothers and sisters, uncles and aunties, grandparents in the faith. We need to rely on our relationship with Jesus and go to the source for ourselves. Um, you know, and there's all sorts of ways that people measure themselves. You get a, you get a Fitbit or an Apple Watch, you can measure like how many steps you do. You can measure like your, your resting heart rate, how you sleep, your BMI, all this stuff that helps like measure your physical health, your physical maturity. But how do you measure the health of your soul, of your relationship with Jesus? What does a mature human being following the way of Jesus actually look like? Is it measured by gray hair or how often you come to church or whether you hold a microphone or not or whether you're in a triad or a dinner party or how often you keep up with the Bible reading plan? How do you actually measure maturity? The way of Jesus actually tells us that the way we measure maturity is not by our kind of attendance at church or how many years we've lived, but it's actually by our love, love of God and love of people. That the way that you measure the maturity in someone is how well they love. Dallas Willard has this great quote. He says, to love is to will the good of the other. How much does like my life turn outward on the other? The will the good of God and will the good of my neighbor. Um, 1 Corinthians 13, so later in this book, Paul lists out kind of what maturity looks like. Because he says, love is patient. Love is kind, love does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It's like this picture of like what a mature, healthy soul looks like. And all you need to do is look online for a, for a little minute around you know, some sort of hot issue And, like, there's a lot of immaturity out there. There's, like, name-calling and the inability to see black and white and just, like, you know, yelling at one another. I think we have a problem in our society of maturity. There's a lot of people that have lived a lot of years but actually haven't grown and matured as people. There's this great quote from a guy called Andrew Sloan. 
He's a lecturer at Morling. He says, some people have 30 years experience and some people live the same experience 30 years over. Some people have 30 years of experience. Some people live the same experience 30 years over. As an illustration, there's this um, study that was done in the New England Journal of Medicine that talked about, um, studied what are the most kind of productive output years. It's talking about career. But what are, what are the most productive kind of decades of our life? And most people would assume it's kind of maybe 20s, 30s, 40s. But the study found that the most productive decade in your life, in terms of your career, it's not the only thing, but as a measure, is between your 60s and your 70s. And then the second most productive is 70 to 80. And the third most productive is 50 to 60. And we have this kind of bias towards like being young, right? All the success stories we hear is about some kid who's making millions of dollars streaming a video game or a TikTok influencer or a YouTuber or some, you know, 28-year-old who had some tech startup in Silicon Valley and, you know, has a billion-dollar company now. But when we look at that and we, and we look at those younger as like, as, you know, the perfection of like a human being, we miss so much in what it actually means to be a mature person. The average age of a Nobel Prize winner is 62. The average age of a CEO of um, a Fortune 500 company is 63. The average age of the Pope is 76. We have such a bias towards the young, but I think we're measuring the wrong things. That there is actually a life that we can live that matures and grows, not only as human beings, but as spiritual beings as well. You know, you are the only person responsible for your maturity. No one else can mature you. It's actually your role. The verse goes on in verse 5 and 8. It says, After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work of the Lord, gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts. Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What is important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. And I love that idea. You know, as so, I planted a church, right? And sometimes, you know, things get built around you. You got to like kick something off the ground that didn't exist before. But it's an important season for us, really, to move from a church plant that's reliant on me to a church, a community of people. To move from a church plant to a church community. And a church community should never be built around one person or one set of giftings. The verse goes on. Are you, are you with me? Are you following? Good. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Paul's very up himself about how good of a church planter he is anyway. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. And Jesus is always the foundation. He's always the cornerstone, like the corner piece in the puzzle, right? Like if you find, if you're doing a puzzle, which I did a lot of during lockdown, you find the corner piece, like that's, that's where you start, and you can build the rest of the thing out. Jesus is our cornerstone, our corner piece. You are his building. You are his temple. You have a part 
to play, but we build our life on Jesus, not a person, not a personality, not a vision statement, not a building, not a set of ideas, not a set of strategic themes. We build on the foundation of the life and the ways and the words and the works of Jesus, always, only, Jesus. So really quickly, I just want to share three um, practical ways that we feel like God's calling us to grow up as a church in 2022. The first one is that um, actually in the area of our governance, it's a very boring boring word, but governance is how things are organized and how decisions are made and our affiliation. So we are a church plant through the Baptist Association. We're not actually officially affiliated as a church yet, so we don't really exist. We're just like pretending to be exist. I know we really exist, but like on paper, we don't necessarily exist. Um, and so there's a bit of a process that we need to go on. Uh, we need to change kind of the structure of what we do a little bit. So um, the way things work at the moment is that there is a lead team. There's seven of us that kind of make decisions for the church. And there's an advisory group uh, made up of Pastor Craig Corker, who is from our sending church, Jamie Freeman, who oversees church planting and mission for our association in New South Wales, and David Hughes, who is the board member at Narara Valley Baptist Church, our sending church. Um, the only thing that's great, a very healthy way to make decisions, the only thing that's like not healthy is I'm the person who appoints who goes on that leadership team, and I'm the person who appoints who goes on the advisory group, and that's kind of what happens, needs to happen in a church plant. Um, but that gives me a lot of power. And honestly, in the long term, it's not healthy for one person in a church to have that much power. It's not healthy for the church, but it's not healthy for me either. And so we've got to move and become a more uh, mature church. And that, that involves getting some founding me- members together, doing some membership. That involves maybe some different changes in governance, all, all sort of kind of boring stuff, but really important stuff. And so we're going to go on that journey over the next kind of 12 to 18 months. Um, and so that's a big part of us growing up as a church. And we get to shape the future of that together, which is exciting. We get to innovate and do some new things, which is a really, really cool thing, going from a growing church plant to a thriving church. The second thing is, um, in term three, so we kick off a new season of dinner parties in a couple of weeks. Dinner parties are our main expression of small groups. It's around a meal. It's an expression of the Lord's Supper together. Um, But in term three, we're going to stop our dinner parties for a term and run a series of courses in order for us to grow and go deeper in certain areas as followers of Jesus. There might be some things around, might be a choice of three or four or five different courses that you can do. Um, There might be a marriage one or a family one or a singleness one or um, emotionally healthy spirituality or vocation and work and faith. Um, So that's very exciting. Look out for that. And then the third one. The third one is uh, we're really committed to growing and finding the apest giftings, which we find in Ephesians chapter 4, which talks about these are the gifts that Christ gave the church. These are the things that church Christ Jesus wants the church to be. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers. And these are like the five kind of leadership giftings that God has given the church. Um, And in order to have a healthy kind of functioning church, we kind of need all of these things. The apostles' job, their job is to take the church forward, to take the church into the future, to innovate, to try new things, often like around church planting or like, you know, trying something new. 
the prophets are about our connection to God, like drawing us back to love of God and love of neighbor, often like around justice and about our covenant and relationship with Jesus. The evangelists push us outward, help us tell the story, invite people in that maybe aren't part of faith or haven't been part of a church community for a while, like it's about drawing people in. The shepherds draw us in as a community. They're about our, kind of like our relational and emotional and spiritual health. They care about our, our, our souls and how we're doing. And the teachers keep us kind of anchored in the scriptures and tradition. And in order to have like a really healthy, thriving church, you kind of need all of those things. And in order for that to happen, like it can't actually be based just on me. And we've got a, a ton of great leaders, a ton of great people that are already contributing. But we just want to continue to raise that up more. And we know that if, if we want our church to be thriving and, and uh, fully what God's called it to be, we need, we need all these giftings operating. And I believe that God has gifted us with those people, that there is giftings in you. And some of those things you know already and some of those things you're not even aware of. And so over this year, um, one of my personal goals is to kind of coach 25 of us through that APES framework and discover how God's wired us and, and what place we might need to play in the church community. Um, so that's, that's coming up. I know they're just kind of like little, little things coming up, but um, it's exciting because we're moving into the future. And I really like that because we're not just going off what happened in 2019 when we launched or what we feel like we, we lost or the opportunities we lost in COVID or the things we tried and didn't work or whatever it is, we're, we're actually pushing into who is God calling us to be as a community of believers here in this place, in this time. And it's always about our maturing of our own souls, that we would grow more loving towards God and people would become people that are kind and patient and not boastful and not easily angered and loving of truth. And that we would mature as a church. We would become those things as a church built on the foundation of Jesus. Is that cool? Nice. The band can come back up. And uh, I just want to take a few moments of silence just between you and God and think about maybe if there's something that the Spirit might be drawing you to, an action, something that stood out to you this morning. Maybe you're just visiting and you're like, I don't know what's going on. Why are we even here? The dedications are happening. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm out. I'm ready to go. Um, and maybe you're visiting or maybe you've been here for every week since day one. Just have a moment... What is the Spirit of God speaking to you? I believe the, the Spirit of God speaks more than just someone with a microphone or some words on the screen, that he's here. He's drawing you into, you into something. So we're just going to have a few moments of silence, and then we're going to sing another song.